0: We've got Steve Graham here with us today. Now, some of you may remember when we did our Facebook check-ins. Do you remember that? They actually sent us a picture of a child that was in the dump, and we were able to help out by checking in on Facebook. And each, each one that we did, we gave a dollar for a sandwich for the children that Carrie has had such a heart for and her children and Steve. They have been missionaries in Namibia for Namibia, Africa, for eight and a half years, right? I can't believe it. Now, Steve was a just a young kid, high school kid, that, that was invited by a friend. Really didn't go to church, right? To Buddy's Youth Group in Woodbridge. And uh, he just came to check it out and say, what the heck is this all about? He ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ. God has taken his life and his family, this beautiful family, and... Uh, is allowing them to serve in Africa, making a difference there. They're home in the USA right now. And uh, here's something really, really neat. Two of his children, two of your children, just became citizens of the United States of America. So would you all stand up, please? And you know what, I loved Steve's post. He said, look, aren't they beautiful? You're missing two, right? You're missing a son and a daughter. Um, there's a boyfriend here, too. You can stand up. He's a tall stack of wood. <laughs> That's okay. I don't mean to embarrass you. But I loved Steve's post when they uh, became citizens, and he said, One family under God, indivisible. Is that beautiful? Thank you all for being such a witness. Would you make Steve feel welcome at Salem Fields?
1: You know, I I don't believe that I have ever seen a pastor on stage rocking and rolling like that before in my life. That's awesome. I love it. You know, it's one of the things I love about this church, that there is such a community feel. There's such an informal, casual feel. I love that I can come to this church and I feel like I fit in wearing a Captain America t-shirt on your stage. Another way that I really uh, appreciate this and the way I feel like I really fit in is this opportunity because, you know, if you've ever seen or heard or know anything about the country where we are missionaries, it's a desert country, and so all the time, pretty much year-round every day, I'm wearing open-toed shoes, so I get to wear sandals as well and not feel like I'm letting y'all down. (laughs) And this is, this is a part of who I am. I'm kind of a casual, informal type of person. Uh, my family knows that. And in fact, um, the, the last several times where I've actually worn a tie was because there were funerals. So now I'm afraid if I ever do wear a tie and there's not something bad going on, it's going to scare my children. They're probably going to come up and ask, oh, dad, who is it this time? Yeah, that wasn't that funny. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I I really want to take an opportunity and and echo some of what Pastor Gay was talking about and referring to um, when it comes to the Facebook check-ins that happened, it was earlier in the year, I believe, here at Salem Fields. It's remarkable to me how easy it was that somebody can click to check in, and that equaled food for children over in the dump site in the informal settlement areas in Ochivarongo, Namibia. And I, I really want to highlight that and say thank you all on behalf of the children that we know and love so much that are so near and dear to our hearts. Thank you all who participated in that. I also wanna say thank you all for doing what you do in loving other people. This whole outreach and providing things for people in need in West Virginia it's it's brilliant, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Keep being like that. Keep being that type of, of Christian who knows that we are just simply people loving other people. In fact, that's a little bit of a tagline, if you could put it that way. And when we try to describe ourselves, Carrie and I, when we try to describe ourselves to other people, I mean, we're, we're nothing special. You, we can give be given that label as missionaries, but we're really truly nothing special. We are believers in God. Yes, we are born again Christians. Yes, we are uh, uh, working towards something that that some others might not do, but we are no hero. We are nothing special. I promise you. I I mean, I, I know the smells that come out of me. I know the things that I trip up on. I know the number of times where I forget my English language. It's really the only language I truly have, so that's a problem, right? I know how often I mess up, and we're just simply people who love other people. I want to share a video with you here, and this video is meant to just kind of draw you into our world a little bit. I just hope that you'll forgive me for the fact that the video quality is not perfect it's grainy it's not great it's not the most well-made video it's not that like the quality of stuff that you all are probably accustomed to around here but uh, um, uh, but but I just wanna if you guys can show this video here and uh, it'll give you a little feel for what we know and what we see there (laughs) Nevada Hound would again own a Nevada one. Taking Una wanted and untied again, to again, Uta Nuko, and Chin, brought you out here this morning to the dump site right out of the town of Ochiborango just over the hill on this side is what we call the location or uh, or the township area where you have mostly the informal settlements the the slum areas of Ochiborango
0: We will sing. We will worship.
1: Worship you. A lot of the kids that stay over this way are coming over here to find food. No more. No more fears, no more pain We will see you face to
0: face, see you face to face And we will
1: all over this town are people that are ready to hear a new message they want to hear a message of hope all they see from day to day is hopelessness and they they want something greater they want something bigger than that and, and we have the answer but how are we going to reach everyone without more workers in the kingdom to do so how are we going to touch people's lives and change their lives for eternity How are we going to love people if we don't have arms to put around them? As Pastor Gay mentioned, praise God, as Pastor Gay mentioned, uh, we've been on the mission field for a number of years now. It was back in uh, January of 2008 that we moved our whole family over to Africa and into the country of Namibia, and we've been living there since, with the exception of the times when we come back here for our home assignment. And a number of times people have asked us over the years, why? I mean, like, how did you know, how did you put this together that you would move your family such a great distance? I mean, it takes a lot of courage, although I will say I, I don't actually think that. It could take a lot of of, of total ignorance and naivete as well, because it does the same thing sometimes. But uh, we, we felt a call from the Lord to be on the mission field, to be working with orphans and vulnerable children for virtually the entire time that our family's been together. Actually, I should say, even when I met Carrie and we started dating, we felt like God was calling us over. And uh, to give you an understanding of how long that's been uh, in front of our faces, involved in our lives, uh, Carrie and I celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary yesterday. But it took us a while To be able to finally get overseas, and so that, as I mentioned back in 2008, is when we moved to Namibia. Now, some of you may not know at this point uh, where I'm talking that of where I'm talking about. Excuse me. Um, So I want to just use uh, use some graphics here to show you. Um, First of all, this is my sarcasm because I want to say we. It's in Africa. (laughs) For the geographically challenged, the red arrow is pointing you towards Africa. Getting closer up here is going to show you on the continent of Africa, down on the Atlantic coast side just above South Africa is the country of Namibia as you see here. And to draw in a little bit closer, just to give you a, a real good idea, if you take a close look at the country of Namibia, there's the town of Ochivarango and the red arrow is pointing. It's really hard to see on this map, but that's essentially where we're located in the town of Ochivarongo. Namibia is a desert country, as I mentioned before, and it's sparsely populated, only about 2.4 million people in a country about the size of Texas. And in Namibia, we have 11 or more distinct languages amongst those 2.4 million people. And even within that, there's many different dialects. It's a very diverse country, and it's it's been a bit of a challenge to us at times, for sure because of that diversity, because people don't really like to get along when they're from a different people group. You've heard about tribalism in Africa. Of course, we have tribalism across the planet. It's not something that only exists on the continent of Africa, but it makes it a real challenge when people feel like it's not their problem that that child is suffering, that that child is hungry because they're not from my family. And there's a bit of that mindset that's back there, it's behind there. And so we aim to try to draw people into opportunities to reaching out to the children there and to give them those opportunities and draw them into that. And I wanna tell you a little bit about that, but I also wanna tell you why we do that. I mean, it might be obvious to you that we would be interested in loving children and loving people on the other part of the, the globe um, so far away from here, and people that before we had gone there, we'd never met, and we dropped everything here in the States to go over there and do that. And again, this is not to say that we're all that special. I'm saying that the root of that is in what we understand about the character of God. And I want to read some scripture passages to you that I think will help to highlight that. And, and starting right at the very beginning of when God was establishing in a better and more understandable way, establishing his law amongst the people in Exodus chapter 22. This is just a little bit after the Lord has provided the Ten Commandments, and he's going into explanations and and trying to uh, give more details about what he means by the different commandments that are in there. And he writes in Exodus Exodus 22, verses 22 and 23, it says, you must not afflict any widow or orphan, if you afflict them in any way, and they cry to me, I will surely hear their cry. Now, this is something that's part and parcel to who God is, and it's a part of his character that we've really attached to. But there's something about this verse I really wanna highlight even further. And that's this part here where it says, I will surely hear their cry. In the original language, the way it was written, the implications were not just that his ears were open, and that if you pray and you say, Lord, I'm in need of help, that he's actually heard the words, it actually implies, I am gonna do something about it. That he's not just hearing the words, he is actively involved in the process of loving people, of helping people, of giving people the helping hand that we need, and he's asked us, not just us, Carrie and I and our family, he's asked us to play a role in that as well. I'm going to jump ahead here a bit because there's a passage in Isaiah in chapter 1 where after a period of hundreds of years has passed and God has seen what it looks like in the people that he has called to be his people on the planet, and, and, and he's seen in them a lack of ability and a lack of interest of taking care of those who are the weakest amongst us. It was their tendency to gloss those things over, to move on with their lives, to not pay attention to the one who is begging on the streets because they themselves were concerned about themselves. And as long as they ate well, then they were fed and satisfied. And God has seen this. He's seen this tendency in the people and he has a frustration that is clearly set out because God, what he does is he he writes here, listen to the Lord's word, you leaders of Sodom. Pay attention to our God's rebuke, people of Gomorrah. Of what importance to me are your many sacrifices, says the Lord. Now, to give you context, because maybe you don't understand how that fits in, God has asked them by, you know, having sin in their lives, he's asked them to do something about that. This is before the time of Jesus, before Jesus was made available to us as the sacrificial lamb, as the one who stood in for us and would wipe clean our sins. The law prescribed that they were to make sacrifices. You know about this, right? And so God is actually calling this out and he's saying, these things are no longer important to me. He says, I am stuffed with burnt sacrifices of rams and the fat from steers, the blood of bulls, lambs and goats, I do not want. When you enter my presence, do you actually think I want this, animals trampling on my courtyards? Do not bring any more meaningless offerings. I consider your incense detestable. You observe new moon festivals, Sabbaths and convocations, but I cannot tolerate sin-stained celebrations. I hate your new moons and festivals and assemblies. They are a burden that I'm tired of carrying. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I look the other way. When you offer your many prayers, I do not listen because your hands are covered with blood. Now this is, that's a heavy passage, guys, and I promise you I'm not gonna leave you there. But I do want you to have the feel that was meant at that time of, whoa. That should get your attention because these people had forgotten about the downcast. They had forgotten about the hungry. They had forgotten about those that God was saying, pay attention to them. And when God takes the next step after saying this in verse 16 of chapter one of Isaiah, he gives the prescription, as it says here on the screen, the prescription to say exactly what we're supposed to do about this. It says, wash, cleanse yourselves, remove your sinful deeds from my sight, stop sinning, Learn to do what is right. And listen to this. Promote justice. Give the oppressed reason to celebrate. Take up the cause of the orphan. Defend the rights of the widow. What he's saying here is if you do these things, then I will listen to you. Now, I believe that he has called us and he's called you, as I've said already before to take care of those who are in need, and I believe, actually, from what I've seen already in the lives of people at Salem Fields, that you are already, many of you, actively reaching out and caring about people in need, and I want to applaud you for that, but I especially want to bring our attention to this characteristic of God that's there and it's presented there, because we need to get this understanding that God, yes, he is concerned about sin in our lives. Yes, he is concerned about us living righteously. Yes, he wants us to seek him, seek him, seek him, and know your good deeds are not enough and can never be enough to save you. Let me not confuse anything there. But this is the same God then that we have right now. And our God wants us to be looking into the lives of other people and saying, Lord, how can I be a person who loves other people, who gives sacrificially. Back before we moved to Namibia, we were already involved in foster care. Our family decided what we were going to do is we were going to take in infants that were awaiting adoption, and, and they had, there was this waiting period there at the beginning, and I'm not sure if it still exists today, but the norm was here in the Commonwealth of Virginia that you'd have one month there where the the infants were put into foster families before they'd be adopted because the mother, the birth mother has a right to change her mind up to a certain point and after that point that right is then dissolved. Now we decided that we were gonna take in these infants knowing that as a foster family, we would not be really given the option to uh, adopt these children. And after the first couple of babies that we had in our homes for these periods of time, and some of them actually lasted more than, more than just a month, I realized that, man, this is, this is a little bit heart-wrenching because you bond with that child. You, you get close to them. You get near and dear to them. And then you have to give them over to someone else. And while there's, there was always that option that we had to celebrate with these people, or maybe not always that option, we had those opportunities to celebrate for them at a minimum, We were left with heartache inside of us, and we had one of the the children that was with us for several months, and and we bonded. Well, most of us bonded. I kind of bonded with her, but she didn't like me. It was really obvious, too, and it was really a little bit funny because now Carrie didn't believe me. Anytime that she was around, uh, this child was um, uh, all happy, just happy with everything, and as soon as she was left with me to care for her, wah, the whole time there was one time for hours it was. I mean, and it's not that I was like walking away and leaving her. You know, I was trying to comfort. I'm pretty good with with newborns. My parents also did newborn fostering. Um, by that point in time, we had already had four uh, newborn children in our family. Um, I, you know, I had plenty of experience, I knew, I mean, I, I was the type that would get up and I would change their diapers, I would feed them the bottle, I mean, I was not unfamiliar with how to handle a newborn. This one hated me. And you know what really cuts like a knife? Because we've had the opportunity to see her as she's grown up and, and been in touch with her, with her adoptive family. She's a daddy's girl. <laughs> So I kind of take that personally a little bit, but you know, not too much anyways. um, But we had decided early on as a family that we were gonna do it the right way. And as I told my children, I still get choked up as I talk about this because in reality, if we do things the right way, it will hurt. If you love other people in the right way, it will hurt. Going further here to to tie this in with the character of God, I want to read to you a passage out of Ezekiel in chapter 34. It's a long one. I hope you're okay with speed reading from the front here. If you all can't understand the way I'm saying things, you can shout out to me. It's fine. You can talk back. It's all good. And it says, the word of the Lord came to me. Uh, Let me pause and say, this is further on in time and... The prophet is now speaking on behalf of the Lord to give this message from the Lord because there's been enough time that people have not corrected their mistakes. They are still not loving other people. They're still not reaching out in the way that they should. And God's frustration clearly has come to a boiling point. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled over them. They were scattered because they had no shepherd, and they became food for every wild beast, My sheep wandered over all the mountains on on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the entire face of the earth with no one looking or searching for them. And then picking up in verse 11, it says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look. Let me pause for a second and say, this is an incredibly substantial statement straight from the Lord which should tell us So much about who he is and so much about who we are called to be as Christians, as followers of him, as ones who are meant to adopt his characteristics. Listen to this. He says, look, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy, dark day. I myself will feed my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will seek the lost and bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. God is separating the two, the ones that have overfed themselves and please don't get me wrong, look I have literally, I've put on 20 pounds, I'm not joking, I've been back in the States for for two months, 20 pounds in two months, this is what Taco Bell and McDonald's does to, look right here, yeah this is Captain America, you got to have the badge up here and enough room down here in the blue area for this to stick out. Like you're pregnant, you know? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm not joking. I came back and I was in pretty good shape. No, oh, that's a lie. I wasn't in good shape. I was just able to hide it better with loose shirts. And nowadays, my shirts are loose up here. They're loose here. They're, technically, they're kind of loose around here. But here, they're getting stretched out. My pants aren't fit, fitting the same. You know, hear me out. I'm, I'm, I can't possibly... Keep judgment on any one of you here. And as you hear me talk, I want you to get me straight on this. Even as we go and we celebrate afterwards with some great food and time together, don't feel an ounce of guilt about doing that. We were instructed to eat together as the family of God. And by the way, if you tried to set aside your hot dog here and mail it to Africa, it's not making it there anyways, okay? All right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment. In fact, the Bible's really clear. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So don't hear that side of things as I'm talking and closing this part out. But I want you to hear me in this. God cares about the hurting. He cares about the hungry, about the sick. And if you fit in that category and you're here today I want you to hear me. He cares enough that he brought you here today to remind you that you could hear this message, that he could remind you that he cared about you before you even realized he existed. You know, we found in our time in Namibia a remarkable number of ways that God has demonstrated his care and love for the people there. Now, you know, you hear these extravagant, incredibly mind-blowing stories of miracles that happen on the mission field, and, and I'm not here to relay any stories like that. I want to tell you about the small things that God's been involved in. The number of times that my wife Carrie has gone out to the dump site, and she tries to predict how much food to bring with her, uh, ahead of time, which is a little difficult. You might think that there's about the same number, but on different days of the week, the number changes of the children that are out there foraging for food, and even out in the informal location in these in the in the slum areas there in the town, where you have the shacks and stuff. And, and she also has an outreach that she oversees there. And you would think that you know you would know most of the time it's about 50 or 100 children. Guys, please understand the context of what we're doing there. It's very unpredictable, and the children and their, the way they move around and and where they spend their time and spend their days is a little bit unpredictable. So she could have a group of five, or she could have a group of fifty. And food there, um, you know, fruit included, and, and apples being one of the things that that she purchases to bring out uh, there to the to the children to eat to make sure they're getting some good food in their stomachs. Um, you know, we're kind of at the end of the line when it comes to export import of. Of produce and so you know if you buy too much ahead of time in a couple of days it's already going bad so you have to be a little bit wise about things and so she has been and she's done her best to be to predict this and she'll buy a couple bags of apples thinking gosh I really hope that this is, is enough and the number of times where she can line up the children and down to the very last one everybody gets an apple and there is none left over there's a day she she talks about with me where she she was a little bit worried because she had prepared a number of sandwiches to bring out and and actually she was surprised by the number of children who had come that day and sometimes the children you know there are some especially the older ones well where uh because she sits and does a bible story with the kids she does some literacy training different things like that spends some time with them and and sometimes uh, some of the older ones, they'll kind of hang back a bit. You know, they, when they were younger, they participated more. Now that they've gotten older, they'll hang back and kind of watch from a distance because they're just too cool for that, you know. And sometimes they, they actually have been told to keep at in a distance because sometimes they're out there huffing, uh, sniffing gasoline, diesel, things like this that uh, will cause them to get high. And then they're, they're really uh, uncontrollable. Um, as you might imagine, and so sometimes she has to hold the line on things, um, and, the, and, and there was this particular day where there was a number of kids that kind of held at a distance, but as soon as she brought out the sandwiches, they came in. Now, there's this mother's heart that she has where she can't just say, no, you can't eat today, and so she wanted to be inclusive, and she, she was praying and said, you know, Lord, what am I going to do, and he revealed to her, line them up in two lines. In one line, will be the children that were there throughout the lesson and they will get fed first. In the other line were the children who came late only for the food, knowing that they weren't supposed to come late. They needed to be a part of the whole time that she had with them in order to get the food. And she started off and every child in this first line got a a, a whole sandwich. And then she started giving out food to the children in the other line and she decided, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna give you half a sandwich today. And she made it clear that Tomorrow or the next time I come, uh, if you come and you participate, you will get a whole sandwich. That's not a problem. But she started giving out half sandwiches, and down to the very last one, there was that last half of a sandwich that she gave. Everybody ate that day. You know, these are just small stories, guys. These aren't huge, miraculous things. And In fact, one might be tempted if you only hear a couple of little stories like that to think, eh, that's just coincidental. But if I could stand here and tell you about all those coincidences that have happened in eight and a half years in our time in Namibia, you would finally be able to take a step back as we have done and be able to say, Oh God, you are amazing. How you love, it's amazing. You, tru- you truly are God the Father who loves your children. You truly do adopt those that were outside of your family. You truly do place the lonely into families. All these things that the word has to say, these things are incredibly true of our God. It's so true. His heart was so firm about this. This is one of the ways in scripture you can tell that God was not joking about things is the number of times Throughout Scripture, the same things gets mentioned. And it's the reason why I believe in James 1.27, there's this verse that really ties directly in to who we are and who we want to be in our passion. And it says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained by the world. See, earlier on in Scripture, he had first said, You know, to keep yourself from sin, to keep yourself righteous, and then look after the weak. I don't think it's an accident that that's turned around. That's my opinion. Please hear me out on that. I'm not saying the word spells it out in that way, but this is what I see. Where God puts this in here, because we need to get this, we need to understand this. He cares so much about the weak. Now, there's two things that I hope we get out of this, and I'm gonna invite the music team to come back up because we've got another worship song we need to do here at the end. And, And there's two things that I hope we take time in prayer as I close things out here to really grasp. And number one is this, that God has called us to reflect him on this planet, to take that character trait of him in caring about the weak, in doing things that are not easy, sacrificially loving other people and to the point that it hurts us. This is part and parcel of who we are. There's another side of this that we can't miss out on. We really got to grasp this. And in fact, if we don't really grasp this, then I think you might be missing the point that is also a part of everything that I've said and that is this, that God was not slow in keeping his promises when it comes to inviting you in to his kingdom. He is that sort of God where he did not wait for somebody to come and love on you before he loved you. He knew you before you were born. And he's reached out to you and it's why you're here today. And if you are one of the weak, if you are one of the ones who you've been hurting inside, there are things that they're just not, they've not been completed. There hasn't been that exclamation point at the end of your sentence yet where you're gonna be able to rise up today and say, praise God, my life is awesome. Guys, sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes your life, at least in the spirit and certainly emotionally looks like the lives of these kids that we've been reaching out to in Namibia is dry, it's dirty, it's painful, you're hungry and you're thirsty and you need a touch from the Lord. Man, his touch is incredible. He loves you. He loves you. We can enjoy that. Don't you feel like that's okay? That you can kick back and And just allow yourself to enjoy His love. Well, I want to invite you to enjoy His love, to respond to His call on your life, any of the things that maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you during this time, I want to invite you to do that as we end here with a worship song. Let's just worship Him and submit ourselves to that great God.